You're listening to the B-School Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Elise Morrison, embodiment coach and founder of Inner Workout. Consider B-School your invitation to becoming a student of yourself. So come on, let's get studying. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of B-School. Before we continue with the content, just want to ask if you rated and reviewed the show. It's a quick and easy way for you to help me grow B-School so that more people can find it. And if you're like, yeah, Taylor, I've done all of those things already. First of all, thank you. Second of all, consider sharing B-School with a friend, someone who you think would resonate with it. Again, all of those things seem so small, but they make such a huge difference. Thank you. Okay, we have talked about imposter syndrome on the show before. It's something that I've struggled with. It's something that I'm continuing to struggle with and to navigate. And after the last episode that I did on imposter syndrome, someone reached out with this really cool infographic that talked all about the actual impact of imposter syndrome, how it can affect you based on your personality, kind of how you move throughout the world. And I thought it was really cool. So first of all, I will link the infographic on the show notes on the website so that you can see the full thing. But I also wanted to have a conversation around the information because actually imposter syndrome, like it costs you money. It costs you money to not show up. And I personally have experienced that. Like I know that there are opportunities where I could have made money but did something for free or I could have charged more. So I know that I personally have missed out on money because of imposter syndrome, because I was afraid like of I'm just so lucky to be here. I shouldn't negotiate. But there actually are more costs involved with imposter syndrome. It could cost you because if you don't negotiate your pay, that could cost you like seven grand a year, a little bit more. Also, then when you think of over your lifetime, every time you don't negotiate pay because of imposter syndrome, that adds up. Like that's why we're focusing so much on women getting equal pay. And I always have to asterisk whenever we celebrate equal pay day, that's white women's equal pay day. There's also one for Latina and black and Asian and native. Like there are so many different equal pay days because the disparities aren't just between women and men, but also with race. But every time you don't negotiate, you're losing out on money and that compounds over time. That's money that you could have invested. You know, it's not just like, oh, I'm getting paid a little bit less. It's affecting you long term. So in the infographic, you can see all of the different costs associated with it. But what I thought was really interesting was which type of imposter syndrome you might have. And honestly, I can see myself a little bit in all of these archetypes. So one is the perfectionist which I definitely have been the perfectionist. I don't want to fail. So I self-sabotage there because I'm like, I'm not going to put it out here. I'm not going to talk about what I've done because it wasn't perfect or it's not going to be perfect. So I'm not going to do this. And what they say, this can affect you. This imposter syndrome can affect you because you're like, okay, 
I wasn't 100% perfect in what I was supposed to do in my job. So I'm not going to ask for a raise because again, it wasn't perfect. Even though you're not doing it perfectly, it's probably way better than some people who are actually trying. So you also could find it easier to kind of undermine your goals the same way that I do. I undermine goals. I know that I want something, but because I'm so afraid of that failure piece, I don't fully put myself out there. Maybe I do it, but not all the way because I'm afraid of falling short. So this one, this archetype really resonated with me because, man, how many times have I let that fear of failure and the imposter syndrome around that hold me back? The next one that they have is the super person, superman, superwoman, super they, them, however you identify. And it's a person who like really wants to prove that you're worth it. And so this is the person, and I can think of a boss who I had who was like this, who would want to be one of the first people there and who would want to be the last person out. And not literally, but they would be sending emails really late. And even after I left, I was catching up with a colleague and they were saying, yeah, the VP actually had to pull her aside because one time he asked her for something and she dropped all her weekend plans so that she could work on it. And he had to say, hey, I'm not asking for that. I'm not asking for you to drop everything. This is just a thing that I mentioned that I want. You can get it done later. It's really okay. It's okay. So if you identify as this super person, and this is kind of how you deal with imposter syndrome, you could be missing out on things because you are doing so much, not necessarily efficiently. You're having this philosophy around like me moving to the next level or me deserving to be here means that I have to have my butt in the chair. I have to be always sending emails, always messaging. And so if you're so buried and you're drawing out your work way more than it needs to be, then you're missing when someone is saying, hey, we want someone to be on the special committee or an after work project. Hey, we're looking for someone to chair up this associate board. We're looking for someone who can be a community liaison. But if you're making your work something where responding to emails and doing all of these extra things on projects that aren't necessary and aren't being asked of you and they're not actually providing value. They're just you trying to say like, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. You're missing out on other opportunities that could give you the experience you need to actually get a raise or could give you the connection that's going to get you to your next job that's going to be a promotion. So the challenge that they give, and I really like this, is if you're someone who's hearing this and you're like, yeah, I have that. I don't really feel all the way that I belong in my job. So I try and do everything to make myself visible so it looks like I'm doing work, even though I know sometimes I'm not doing things that are actually productive. Try and give your absolute best while you're on the job and then let it go. You don't need to work every weekend. You don't need to answer an email right away. Allow yourself to step away from your computer and cultivate other passions, pursue other opportunities, and see where that leads you because you 
working 100 hours a week when you're only getting paid for 40 hours a week is losing you money. And you don't want your imposter syndrome to cause you to lose money in that way. And you're also probably stressed, not sleeping enough, all of these other things if that's how you're choosing to operate. The next archetype that they talk about is the natural genius. So someone who is super, super smart, super curious. I have someone in my mind right now as I'm thinking about it. And you tend to really feel like, man, if I take too long at something, then that means that I failed. And I was actually just having this conversation with someone in my life recently where they're super smart. They can figure things out. They know not just smarts of like book smart, but really can think critically and integrate knowledge into projects. But because they're smart and they're curious, they do a lot of research. And so it may take them longer to do something, but they're doing it with such intention and with a really clear point of view. So that can hold you back. This archetype can hold you back because you might be like, oh, I'm so slow to learn things or it takes me longer to get things done. So I'm just not going to learn new things because last time I did that, it took me a long time and then it made me feel really bad about myself. So I'm just going to stick with what I know and what I can do really well because I'm smart and I can do these things and I can get by. And you might be missing out on the opportunity to learn a new skill that could help you get a new promotion, help you get a raise, help you switch careers, start a business, whatever that is. So if you're that person who's like really, really gifted and you've gotten into a groove on the things that you're gifted at and you're like, uh, not going to try new things. And it's not like from the perfectionist point of view where it's like, because I might be bad at it, but you're just like, man, it takes me a long time I do have to start from scratch. Let me focus on those other things that I already know that I'm good at. Try some new things. Push past your imposter syndrome in that way and say, it's okay to be the beginner again. It's okay for me to do my slower, more integrated learning process because I know that that allows me to learn things really deeply. And once it clicks, it clicks at this level where like all of a sudden I can teach other people. So if this is you, if it resonates with you, really challenge you to try something new. Try it. It probably is not going to feel the best at the beginning, but it will. Eventually, over time, you'll learn something. And then you've got the soloist. So this was another one where I was like, huh, sounds a little familiar, Taylor. The soloist, someone who feels like they have to go it on their own. Like if you ask for help, then that means that you are somehow less than. You're not as credible because someone else had to help you with this. And so how this can affect you, this type of imposter syndrome where you're almost, I've talked about it before, is hoarding. You're really hoarding opportunities. You're hoarding things because you're like, I need it for me. I need everything to bolster me up. You definitely miss out on opportunities through collaboration. So many things that have happened to me are because I built a relationship with someone and then they thought of me. And if it wasn't a month down the road, it could have been years down the road. And then they're like, oh, I remember Taylor and she would be really good for this. I wonder if she's still doing anything related to this. So you're missing out on those when you're being a soloist. You're also probably doing so much yourself that you can't come up for air. And so it gets to the point where 
You're working so hard. It's diluting your salary. You're paying the health and mental health cost of it because you're not able to care for yourself. You're not nourishing yourself if you're doing everything on your own. And I'm saying this as a person who's thinking about like, what does it look like for me to sustainably scale my business? When will I hire someone and what will it look like? For what task will I be hiring them? Because I really like being a smaller and more nimble business. It's definitely been to my benefit, but I have to be really careful about the ego piece. There's a little bit of an ego piece in being the soloist where it's like, I can do it all on my own. I built my website and I do this and I do that and I don't need anyone, but then you're paying for it. You're paying for it in the missed opportunities. You're paying for it in the toll that it takes on you. So if this is something where you're like, yeah, I I feel myself being a little bit of the soloist. I feel like I can relate to the imposter syndrome of like not wanting to collaborate because what if there's not enough for both of us? Ask for help. They actually suggest that you ask for help once a week. You set a goal to ask for help at least once a week. And what happens when you start asking for help is you see that people actually want to help you. You're like, what? I've been missing out on all the support this whole time. So as someone who is still noticing elements of the soloist in me, but who has also asked for help a ton recently, I can tell you from experience, it feels really good to ask for help. And then finally, the expert. So the expert is just what it sounds like. You know what's going on. You could be someone who has been at the company and you know how the company works. It could be that you know a certain skill, you know a certain software, but you might struggle and be like, ah, do I really know enough? I'm a little bit afraid to actually step into my expertise to say, yeah, I do know this. And maybe I didn't get a master's degree, but I've been here for a long time and I've seen how people have done it and what's worked and what hasn't. And you might say, oh, it says master. So like, yes, I am the expert, but I'm not really going to go for it. And then you end up losing out again because you actually probably would have been super qualified. But then you said, "Uh, uh-uh, no, not quite. Like, yes, I do have expertise, but I'm not going to really choose to own it. And then you miss out. You miss out. And that's kind of the theme for all of these archetypes with imposter syndrome is that you get excited and then you're like, what? I could have been having these relationships. I could have been making more money. I could have had new opportunities. I could have had more balance and integration in my life. Man, I've been robbing myself. That's what I notice whenever I come face to face with my imposter syndrome is that I've been robbing myself of all of these really beautiful gifts. And so if you are the expert, but you're not fully owning that you have a level of expertise, try and step into that when someone says, hey, we're looking for someone who knows about this. Try sending that message on LinkedIn I've been working at this for a few years. I'd love to share my thoughts. If someone is looking for someone to raise their hand at work, say, hey, I'd love to be on a committee about this. Maybe you don't feel quite ready to own and be the only subject matter expert, but step into opportunities to share your voice. And as people say, oh, this is valuable. I'm starting to find some value in this. You'll, you'll get that confidence boost. So again, I just thought this was a cool way to look at imposter syndrome, 
to really remind you that there are tangible negative effects when we choose to sit in our imposter syndrome and our being afraid that we're not supposed to be there. And it looks a little bit different for everyone. We're all coming from a slightly different place when we feel like we don't belong, we're not supposed to be there, we feel like there's not enough opportunities or that we're not actually qualified for them. So I really encourage you to sit with this. You can check out the infographic on the website and see which one resonates with you. You might be like me and it's a couple. And then try and take an action step to really work through some of the underlying piece of that imposter syndrome and see where it takes you. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back in your earbuds later this week. Thanks to Andres Rodriguez for the intro and outro music. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Taylor Elise Morrison. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. And check out the resources on my website at taylorelise.com.